everybody, it's Robert Gowan coming at you live and in living color at 15 Perry Street. Uh, and I'm joined by my sidekick, Paul Martinez. Hey, everybody. And we have a co-host that's going to be helping us on this episode, Jason Belford. Hi, everybody. So our guest today is uh, Felipe Peters, also known as Pete or Petey. So we're going to dive into the whole um, background here. So first tell me, where are you from, Pete? Because I know you live in Georgia now, but where are you originally from? Well, first off, thanks, guys, for uh, having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, Uh, man. You know, especially with uh, Jason here uh, currently serving. So, um, no, it's an honor to be here. Uh, So I'm originally from, I was born in Chihuahua, Mexico. Okay. So uh, I grew up as a Mennonite, actually, uh, if some people know, yeah. some people don't. No, I don't know. Yeah, help me. So it's kind of like a uh, more worldly version of a, of an Amish. Like we had vehicles, we had electricity, we had everything. We were just very strict with our clothing, our religion, and, you know, things like that. We kept to ourselves. We didn't really associate with very many people, you know, marry within your own culture type deal. Very, very strict. <clears throat> Excuse me, very strict, you know, type deal. And so uh, it, was, it was just... A different way of growing up. Um, my family immigrated there from years and years back. Uh, Mennonites were persecuted across Europe and whatnot, and so they moved throughout North America, United States, Mexico, Canada, and whatnot. So I have relatives, you know, all over the U.S., Canada, Mexico still. Um, that's cool. Yeah, so it's just a little bit different. You know, my yeah. story's a little bit different, just like everybody else in here. You know, that's what makes... Uh, do, you, do you still interact with the Mennonite community? Uh, yes and no, I guess. Okay. Um, it, because it, I, I've noticed that growing up, I, I noticed that there was a lot more Mennonites than there wasn't just me, you know, yeah. and the people that I interacted with. Like I, I went to a Mennonite private school growing up and everything uh, for a number of years. And so, and then growing up, I'm like, wait a minute, there are different colored Mennonites. Yeah. They're not just white people like me. I see some brown people. I see some black people. I'm like, what wow. the heck is going on? So, Uh, That was a little eye-opening experience. But for me, the Mennonite uh, religion, it was more of a culture for me, just the way we grew up, the food we ate. You know, we we did tie very closely to Hispanic culture. You know, we had a lot of uh, ties there, like a fusion. You know, when you eat foods and whatnot, everything was homemade. So I was very, very spoiled as a child. Um, But, uh, you know, it was was good to grow up that way because it was a very conservative home. You know, it wasn't... Uh, very flashy or anything like that. I, blew, I grew up in a very blue collar type environment where it's like, hey, if you want something, you gotta you gotta earn it. You can't just, yeah. you know, hold your hand out like you know you and I talked about just before uh, we started. My dad he refused to be on any type of assistance because right. you know he's he's a very stubborn man and so am I. <laughs> right. I got that from him, but uh, he's just like, look, we're we're going to work hard. We're going to make our way. We are, we have the opportunity to be in this country. We're going to become legal citizens. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully that did happen. So eventually all of us became legal citizens of the United awesome. States. And so, yeah, we were very fortunate. It was, it took a lot of money. Like, wow. uh, okay. my dad, you know, he was always working like that was, right. you know, six days a week you're working. It was like Chick-fil-A. Hey, you know, Monday through Saturday you're working. And on yeah. Sunday it's, it's, it's for the Lord. And that's just the way it was. And so that's the way we grew up. But uh, it, you know, it was a good life, man. Really, it really was. It was like, yeah, I lived in a single wide. Uh, the first one we, one of the first ones we lived in, had a giant hole in it, and we had dogs that were living in it. So yeah, yeah we didn't come from money or anything like that. And so, 
we just fixed it up and we lived in it and yeah. you know we ended up building a beautiful beautiful home and and my mom now again has a beautiful home and it just yeah. goes to show you like you know it's like it's opportunity take it it's yours so That's do what awesome. you want so um so education wise i'm sorry it you were gonna say something yeah i was gonna say how, how was the uh, the whole the mennonites like outlook on like the military aspect and that type of thing it's funny that you should ask because um, we'll fast forward to the age of 18. Um, I'd pretty much worked for my dad. I grew up in his mechanic shop working there. So blue collar, blah, 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 learn how to work, do all that stuff. Uh, we grew up as conscientious objectors. And so okay. I didn't know I grew up like that. I really that, didn't. That's the culture period of, of Mennonite. Or is my, it just? It's shifted a lot. I've uh, noticed um, in my peer group, I guess, if you will, it's mm -hmm. the, the thought process has changed because I know a lot of Mennonites in my town that I grew up with that went to the military and they defied their parents just like I did. My dad was like, you will not join the military uh, under yeah. my roof. And I'm like, cool, no problem, pops. Yeah, I'm out. So I moved 12 hours away and then eventually I joined. I didn't join right after uh, saying that to him. I whatever had to experience life first. Right. Um, but yeah, most of them are, are very big on the like, hey, look, you're, you know, hey, hang out here in this awesome country and take take advantage of everything, but don't, don't you know, don't don't do anything for this country. I, I had a different outlook on that. I felt like, hey, look, uh, I was into you know GI Joe, you know, all the movies and whatnot, the Chuck Norris, the Steven Seagal stuff and whatnot, and so I was I was really wanting to be, you know, a GI Joe, yeah. and so in high school I actually found some books in the library on rangers like at you know guys from regiment i saw the dui and everything and all that and i'm like that's what i want to do but i had no idea about any of the contracts or anything like that so i'm i'm like hey recruiter guy i want to join the army i want to do that cool guy stuff and he's like yeah yeah, yeah bro i got you now I, I had to do the option 40 thing in basic but okay yeah so it was it was different i had a guy that uh was in my hometown that was a 101st guy, infantry guy. He was the Kosovo era. And so okay. he came down and I thought he was Chuck Norris himself. You know, I thought he was, cause I didn't know any better. I hadn't, yeah. I'd, nobody in my family had ever been in the military. And so I was kind of breaking that mold. Um, I've done that quite a bit uh, growing <laughs> up. Unfortunately, <clears throat> my parents, I'm sure have had a lot of stress because of that, but um, it, it, it shifted even within my parents after I joined. Cause I didn't join until I was 23. Um, and I'd already, that's old I was, I've been, you know, 2000, I, I, I signed up in October of 03 and then February of 04 is when my best friend dropped me off at the recruiting station, which to him was the worst day of his life. He said, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. well, buddy, Hey man, yeah. you know, well, buddy. no, he is, he's, <laughs> it, he, so I actually met him when I moved, when I moved away from uh, my folks, I moved 12 hours away for a girl. Uh, don't know her, don't even know where she is in, at this point, but, uh, stupid young dumb full of love you know and all the other good stuff and so i met my best friend luke birdsong he is by far the greatest human i've ever met you know he's just the most selfless person and uh got to experience some things uh with those guys uh experienced the death of his father i was there for that one so i felt i felt like i i should be where i where i am because it, it just felt like that's you know i moved there i didn't even know the guy i just met the guy one day i showed up in in our friend's yard like, hey man, my name is Felipe. Uh, I got a BMX bike. You can I jump on your, you know, your jumps? And they're like, yeah, dude, come on, let's go. And so that was 1999, and we're still friends today. And I could call him today and say, hey, dude, I'm moving. He would be here within 12 hours with a box yeah. truck, and we'd be gone. 
That's like, cool. Yeah, he was a really good dude. So kind of like a ranger buddy that you know. Yeah. It's, it's we've we've gone through a lot of thick and thin. We went through a year of motorcycle mechanic school uh, in Phoenix, Arizona together. Oh, cool. So that was a really cool experience. Like just you know we're we're all about motorcycles, dirt bikes. Yeah. We race dirt bikes and and rebuilt motorcycles and just driving them down the road you know on the back wheel and doing 150 yeah. miles an hour like idiots and somehow we survived all that so, <laughs> i like but, it yeah well, well i asked the uh <clears throat> i asked that question based off because you know we're from up north a little bit more in ohio we have uh the amish you know and, and I, I i don't know a lot about the mennonites and a lot of people probably don't and thanks for explaining uh of course. so you know they have like their age where they you know, get to go out and, and, you know, do um, with it. Rome Springer. Yeah, they do yeah, what they, Rome you know, Springer. and whatever they decide, like their family supports whatever, regardless. Right. And, and, right. And, but if you choose to come back to the religion and stay in that, then you have to, you know, run that path hard. So that's why I asked that question, kind of see if the, it was anything like that, because that's what you started with the reference. I was wondering if it kind of worked the same way. So it did not with uh, my specific mm-hmm. um religion within the Mennonite religion like there's different you know just like you have different Baptists same thing you have somebody in the church is like hey I don't agree with what you're saying Mr. Preacher man I'm going to split and I'm going to start my own congregation that's kind of what happened and so we all kind of had you know the different religions within the Mennonite religion if you will and so some of them even have a different, like we have, uh, I speak a dialect of German, and it's a very broken. Very much like the Amish. Then. Yes, I can understand a couple of their words, actually. When they yeah. speak, like you watch some of the Amish mafia stupid shows, you know, yeah, that yeah. are all made up and uh, whatnot. Uh, like I can understand some of those words that they're speaking. And so everybody was just a little bit different in those things. And, and even in those di- different religions, you have different customaries. You know, like, hey, we're going to do this on this day. This, So it, it kind of, it flexed kind of to what, what church you're going to. You know, like the ones, I would I went to a wedding, and you would have thought we went to a funeral. Everybody's dressed in black on both sides. And the men sit on one side, women sit on one side. It's like dress, right, dress. You want to talk wow. about military discipline, that stuff. Was, <laughs> and they were, like, doing this seance stuff out of this book. And, wow. like, and that was supposed to, and then all of a sudden everybody was, happy which was barely cracked a smile and i'm like what is going on here did they get married or is this a funeral like so but then in our church it would it'd be a little bit more quote-unquote traditional they would wear colored clothing and they would have a gown and they'd walk down the aisle ring bear you know that so uh there's just a lot of differences within those cultures and like so i still have uh relatives of you know females that wear dresses only they don't shave they're not using deodorants and things like that and Hey, that's that. If that's the way they want to live, hey, I'm all about it. I still love them the same. It's no that's different. Right. And so we, uh, I don't remember ever living in Mexico. I don't ever have yeah. a, a, a memory of that. I do remember moving to Texas, and and you know we wore traditional clothing. They were kind of dorky because we had no money, so yeah. we're wearing whatever we can. Mom has made clothes and whatnot, and that's you know customary, and that, and that happens a lot within that culture. And so, but no, I, I, I very fortunate to have grown up in a in a different culture like that and just to experience that but there was there was never any kind of um all right you get a period of adulthood where you can experience life outside of this in case you choose not to to go this path so no we didn't have a specific set i'm sorry i didn't answer your question i I go off on tangents that's all right my brain that's my job is to try to bring everybody back please please just be like yo stay on azimuth man (laughs) because i my brain looks like everybody else's it goes you know you've gone 
down the road. But no worries. No, no, no. So it was more of like uh, what would be uh, biblically, like getting baptized, things like that. Yeah. You know. So like when I was, so the uh, pastor's wife was my Sunday school teacher, and then you know, 1989, I was asked Jesus to come into my heart. I was saved, and so you know that that was just one thing. And then at some point, you they ask you, say, hey, would you like to get baptized? So it's it's wasn't based on an age thing. This one was more loose as far as like, I know some religions, they say at the age of 11, 12, 13, whatever it is, you need to be confirmed or mm-hmm. baptized or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that ceremonial process is. It wasn't that way. And I actually never got baptized in the Mennonite religion, which is kind of funny. Uh, my best friend, his dad, who passed away uh, right before I joined the military, he w- he actually baptized me. He was a okay. Southern Baptist, missionary Baptist preacher. And, but I mean, just old school, like hard nose. He was a yeah. hard son of a bitch. I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't have thought he was a, a pastor, you know, yeah. during the week. He didn't curse or anything like that, but don't go to his house and act bored. Yeah. That's son of a gun. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Don't say nothing. Yeah. You're like, oh, good. Go over there and let's go get those cows and do this. Oh, I'm glad yeah. you're here. I'm glad you showed up. Six hours later, you got blood all over yourself. I just pulled a <laughs> calf out of, out of this cow, you yeah. know, because it was breached. And I'm like, I just came over here for some, like, crawfish or some <laughs> crappie, you know. Yeah. I was coming yeah. over here for crappie, not to pull a calf out of a cow, you yeah. know. So, yeah. No, but that he, he actually baptized me, and in, in, so I'm baptized in, the, you know, missionary Baptist. So, yeah, kind of I went against all my parents' wishes. So, And I didn't marry within the culture either. So both times I got divorced and got remarried. So they'll just have to be okay with it, I guess. So when when you went down to the recruiting station, you had kind of already looked at all the research and um, probably not unlike a lot of people, especially or if you had a chance to watch movies and you get, uh, you know, an idea of different uh, characters that you now want to portray when you go into the service. What made you go into the Army and what what how did this all come about? So kind of like I mentioned before, uh, I grew up in a very conservative home. We had guns around. We, I had pellet guns. I had slingshots. I had homemade whatever you want to call it. I probably, you know, made a lot of homemade stuff I shouldn't have. That probably would, sure. you know, should have killed me or really maimed me at the, at the time because we're just idiot little kids, you yep. know. That's right. Um, you know, blowing things up, tying things together, trying to see if it'll blow up and whatnot. Uh, I just, I, I feel like I just kind of gravitated towards the being outside because I was always outside. I was always in the backyard. I was always shooting something. I, I had a pellet gun in, the, in my hand from the time I could, you know, have my first memory in Texas. I'm, we had seven acres. At one point, we moved to where we had seven acres and we had a big shop. And so I'm terrorizing anything that's alive that doesn't belong to us. You know, any I'm just out and I'm building forts. Finally, I get a neighbor close to my age and, you know, there it begins. We're building forts constantly. Our property used to be an old salvage yard. So there was remnants of old you know, vehicles, just junk everywhere. And beside us was a uh, slaughterhouse before my neighbors uh, flattened it. So I'm telling you, like adventure, we were digging through the walls, finding yeah. old butcher knives and just finding tools and parts of cars. And, and we were stacking tires and, you know, you know the, the tin. And we had our forts and we we're shooting out, throwing rocks. And I don't know, I think it was just one of those yeah. things. And we were, we were able to watch G.I. Joe, thankfully. And so I think it just kind of spurred from there and then seeing, uh, so I had two older brothers. So I was, um, you know, given nudie magazines at a very young age yeah. and, you know, given cigarettes as a, you know, as a kid, like, Hey, here, you want to try this? And, you know, so I had, I had good influence, obviously listening to <laughs> yeah. hair, hair yep. bands and, you know, listening to Metallica and have, you know, they 
they being five and six years older that was a good influence but no they uh you know we, we i got to see a lot of cool r-rated movies and whatnot which is very foreboding in, in the mennonite culture like even watching movies yeah. was pretty forbidden so at kind of very sensitive subject and uh yeah just kind of spawned from there and then i just uh, i feel like i developed this desire because i wanted to become a citizen because i wanted to join the military i, I watched you know military movies and whatnot you know watching rambo and things like that i'm like i really want to do that i want to jump out of an airplane we had this really old guy named roy cooper that came to the shop uh get his stuff worked on mm-hmm. white white beard white hair coolest guy in the world looked kind of like rick flair and he owned a plane and he had it on his property i'm like yeah. this is the coolest dude in the world right <laughs> yeah. here and he would fly it to boogies, you know, boogies mm-hmm. are where yeah. people get together and they skydive. I just, I recently uh, came back from Eloy. We were out at Eloy jumping, uh, the boogie there. It was unreal, just absolute chaos in the sky. So, but, um, no, it was, uh, no, a license jumpers. I'm sure. Uh, it looked like a license jumpers. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I mean, it was, it was incredible, but, uh, somehow we didn't die. <laughs> Uh, I'm not the best jumper. I'll just caveat with that. Yeah. I have a number of jumps, but I'm not the best jumper. Um, I'm sorry. No, I need to refocus. That's right. You were talking about... Um, See, I go off on these tangents. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were talking about um, what led you to eventually get into the service and yeah, stuff, so, and, and you wanted to go airborne. You knew that. Yeah, yeah. You had this this gentleman who owned a plane. Yeah, and, so he would, at the in, at the salty age of whatever he was at the time, he would go to these boogies and just, and I'm like, and I would watch, because we had dial-up internet back then for those yeah. kids that will never experience that fun time. Uh, I would watch these videos, very grainy videos, or I'd see it on TV, and I'm like, I'm going to skydive one day. I want to go skydive with this old man. And so I think just kind of a combination of loving guns, loving to be outside. I had no problem being outside. I camped outside all the time. I was in trees all the time. I'm making rope swings. I'm, you know, doing whatever I can, making primitive weapons to stab, you know, punji pits and, yeah. and traps, and I'm I'm trapping animals in the back, skunks and whatnot. So... I feel like it was just a very, uh, it's a very good connection. It, it it worked well with my personality and what I really wanted to do. And then I really didn't get the uh, the sense of uh, the patriotism, I guess, that patriotic uh, duty. Uh, I was in basic training, and Pat Tillman, he uh, he passed away, and little did I know that I was going to be, you know, a one Charlie two seven five guy, and that was going to be something that was going to be very near and dear to us. And so I think it, it kind of helped, uh, like solidify, like, holy shit, man, this is real. Like this is, this is really happening. Like the, the stuff that I'm getting yelled at by my drill sergeants, like this is going to happen. And at that point I'd already gone off and found a, an option 40 contract. I traded with another gentleman in, in basic. And nice. so I'm like, oh shit, this is real. Because when I was in English, in English class, we had a, um, time capsule project and I drew a DUI on there i didn't know ranger so-and-so from you know a hole in the ground i just knew that that's where i wanted to go and that was a 10-year time capsule and so i actually achieved that goal and so that was very it was something very sentimental to me and very special to me that i was actually able to achieve that goal you know making it through and not knowing what i i don't know i didn't know anything and i think that actually helped me out a lot not there was no expectation other than man i'm getting yelled at every day all i do is freaking push-ups like yeah. it sucks <laughs> But I didn't quit. I don't know why. I'm not really, I haven't ever figured that out. And it was just one of those things like I'm, I just have to, I want to see what's on the other side. You know, I want to yeah. see what's on the other side of the fence, I guess. And so that was, 
uh, one of those things that it just it kept driving me, and I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like I never thought I could actually do this and be here and, and do these things, but I had a lot of good friends. Uh, Dr. Tony Brooks actually. Uh, he helped me out a lot. Uh, he pulled me through uh, airborne school. I had shin splints, and I was acting like a little bitch. And he said, hey, bud, check it out. <laughs> you know, you don't have a choice here. We're going to go through this together because I need you just as much as you need me, and uh, we're going to make this happen. And I said, okay, fine. And, you know, months later, we uh, we end up in the same damn platoon together at 275. So, wow. Yeah, it was good times. But, no, it was, it was just always uh, trying to – I guess circle back uh, to the question is just, it was something that just seemed so cool and interesting to me. And then later on it turned into like, I felt like it was some, my obligation really. It felt like I, I felt obligated, like, Hey, look, I, I was given this amazing opportunity to live in this country and not only live in this country, but I got, you know, I became a citizen of this country. So I feel, I felt like it was my duty, duty to say, Hey, I'm going to give at least four years to my, my country for being so kind to me. And so, yeah. Did you yeah. go eleven Bravo, or where'd you end up going? I did. I, so I started eleven Bravo, and un, unfortunately, I didn't know anything about contracts or whatnot. My yeah. my recruiter was a cook, yeah, E seven cook, and there was like the sniper guy in there. He was an E five, so probably a cherry E five as a Bravo four or whatever. You know, hard hard dick guy or whatever. Sure, congratulations, man. You went through a school, but so I what was in my contract was South Korea. My awesome. initial mind. Oh yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. Glad I never, I avoided that one. Thank God. Um, so uh, South Korea and then with the intent to go to SFAS, that's right. where he blind, you know, said, yeah, yeah, you're going to go airborne. You're going to SF, you're doing this. But I came in as an 11 Bravo, uh, Alpha 254 actually was my basic training company. And I went and visited it the other day with my oldest brother. Uh, it was kind of, it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was cool. You got the drill sergeant staring at you like, Calm down, dude. I'm just here to reminisce yeah. for a few moments, and yeah. and uh, but no, it was really it was really cool. So, um, you're you said you were while you were in OSIT, one station unit training mm-hmm. uh, there at Fort Benning. Um, somebody switched. What was uh, his story? What why was why did you guys? Just, I have a very similar story, by the way. Um, I didn't want to go to Germany. I had a German contract. Mm-hmm. So I switched with the guy that was going to Polk. I had no idea what I was walking into, right? <laughs> but so I'm curious to know what your story is. Is <coughs> so pretty much, I think probably 70% of our platoon mm-hmm. was option 40 contracts. And then there was a few National Guard guys. It was like a heavy National Guard for whatever reason. And then like the other guys was all option 40. There was so many of them. Even, uh, for whatever reason, that whole cycle, even in all the different companies, it was really big on option 40s. And I was one of the guys that didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy, he was probably maybe 120 pounds soaking wet boots on keys in your pockets maybe 120 pounds wet you know and his name was raspberry and he <laughs> that's his real name that was his last name yes wow. raspberry like yep raspberry he probably yeah. made a good choice he did he did <laughs> no he did what year and was that that was 2004 he made a good choice yeah, yeah. real good choice <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, because I'm sure we'll talk about who Cadre was. Because uh, I just talked about this like two days ago with a guy. I don't know if you remember Jeremiah Brooks or not, but he was. We talked about some of the same Cadre. Um, but uh, sorry, get me back on. Track. Yeah, so um, you, you, you and Raspberry were. Yeah, yeah and Raspberry sorry. worked out a deal. Yeah, so yeah. I, I had. Uh, sorry, I apologize. That's right. So we had uh, at that point already. I had become friends with. 
Tony Brooks, Sam Crino, and a few other guys that were that had option 40 contracts. And I was the platoon guy. And they were like, dude, you got to come with us. You know, we yeah. had some studs just graduate rip or whatever. And we think these are like, you know, these yeah. guys graduated rip. They're the coolest thing ever. And, and so we're like, you know, hey, we got to do this together. Okay, sure, let's do it. You know, that's what I want to do anyways. You know, that's the route I need to go. I got screwed. Right. You know, that's where I want to go. So it just ended up, hey, this guy, he didn't expect – uh, things to be as rough as they are, and base crane wasn't rough at all. Right, yeah, we, had, we had no idea then. What, no, <laughs> the, no, we just started. And I, I will say, like our our drill sergeant, one of our drill sergeant was very hands on. Okay, um, you know, not I didn't care. I'm good with it. Totally fine with it. He never did anything that I felt was out of line or anything like that. And so I think that scared him a little bit. Right, he's you he know, made the right choice. He did. So I think he ended up eventually going to like 101st or something like that yeah. but yeah he just it just I don't, I don't think it was a good fit for him and i was just too dumb to quit so I, I i don't want to say it was a good fit for me i was just too dumb to quit i didn't want to quit in front of my buddies and i didn't want to let anybody down so this yeah. is back in the day when you'd go through airborne school then you'd go through rip mm-hmm. and yep. so we just heard you made it through airborne school which uh shin splints and all i'm sure with some uh, 900 milligram motrin uh, oh, yes. A lot of those. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it, I actually was reminded of a story, the bowling alley, if you guys remember that bowling oh, yeah. alley. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yep. Well, we uh, we got a uh, little intoxicated there one night. I was, this was in airborne school. You don't say. Uh, you're right. Uh, <laughs> that happens? It happens. <laughs> it happens. Well, one of our airborne buddies, I don't know what happened because I, I, we were intoxicated. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't even remember yeah. what happened. But he jack slaps me for some reason. And I'm like taken back because I'm like, I thought we were buddies. Like we've been hanging yeah. out this whole time. Yeah, the alcohol, man. And so it kind of, it doesn't get into like full blown fist fight. It gets a little shovey here and there, whatever. People are get, trying to stand up for me, stand up for this guy, do this, do that, and whatever. And then so we're sitting in front of the first sergeant's office and I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm in the army for like three months and I'm already getting ready to get kicked out of this sucker. I'm like, yep. No, so I almost got kicked out of uh, airborne school. So, wow. yeah, even though Lucky. it wasn't my fault, I alcohol-related incident. I get it. <laughs> yep, I was wrong, but uh, yeah. So we had uh, our little uh, walk of shame from airborne to rip at the time, and then I lost a lot of key documents that I wish I had right now. But uh, as that's how it goes, it's raining, yeah. of course. Perfect, perfect for uh, one. You know, one. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Castillo. If you remember uh, Castillo, he's, he lost, uh, ended up losing both legs overseas, but uh, he was cadre there for rip hold at the time, so that was a good time. Um, so we were in rip hold for about, I think, four or five weeks. What? Oh, yeah, man. so that was, that was a good time. Oh, <laughs> break. I was there for four weeks, too, man. Were you really? Good. When were you there? I went, I went in 2009, but... I got. I actually. I would have went in 2005, oh, right. yeah, but yeah, I got yeah. okay. kicked out of airborne school. So you yeah, got lucky sorry. draw. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Exa- I'm trying to remember your timeline from when I was listening to the podcast. Yeah, your episode. Um, yeah, 04 was. I mean, whatever. It was. It was back hard in my day. That's what everybody says. Back <laughs> in my day, it was hard yeah, or yeah. whatever. But no, it was. It was basically five weeks of shenanigans. We now we were fortunate. We did get weekends off. So every weekend, yeah. soon as Friday release formation rolls around, we were at the Hojo. You know, with our yeah. shenanigans downtown, we were jumping in bushes and beating the crap yeah. out of each other and, like, just being assholes, you like, know. Like a pack of wild dogs. I remember that. Just she learned how to E&E really good. Oh, yeah. Really, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That <laughs> really, was really, really good. I'm like, wow, I, 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 I kind of have this in my blood. Like, we're going <laughs> to evade. I'm a know? natural. <laughs> yeah. Sears school was a, was a breeze. No. Um, but no, it was it was five weeks. It, it sucked. But it was, you know, wake up at three o'clock in the morning, put your PT shorts on, your class A jacket and like whatever beret or or something stupid. And then it's just all night long, just going up and down, up and down, up mm-hmm. and down. And it it really wasn't that bad. It was just it was just messing with us to see who would quit. And, and like day one of getting to rip hold, it was like, who wants a V-dub? You get yep. like 30 dudes that are just like, all I wanted was airborne school. And then I'm like, you're such a bitch. Like, yeah. You're a bitch. Like, at least see what's on the other side of the fence. Yeah. At least yeah. Give, Try it, it. give it a shot. I mean, did you, did you get the guys that were like, I just want to get to my unit. They're <laughs> like, wait, I, an airborne hold. I had a similar experience in basic. We had like a whole platoon and it was all option 40 and, and 18 x-ray. Yeah. Like the whole platoon. And then some of that spilled over into mine. And by the time we started airborne school with six of those guys, holy cow, we went to rip with two of them and I was one and one <clears throat> didn't make it through the first formation of rip. I used to tell people all the time, but they get that same story. Like, I just want to get to my unit, man. Get started. Yeah. I'd be, as, when I was an instructor, I'd be like, well, dude, the fastest way to get to your unit, I'm going to tell you is uh, through that course right there, because mm-hmm. you're going to go up there and sit and wait on orders for until the army's ready for you. So, yeah. well, and what, like, what do you think is going to happen at your unit? Yeah. Like, do you think it's a break? It's a unicorn there, dude. I don't get it. I never understood that. They're like, I'm sitting in airborne hold. I had a weekend off. I went and bought a guitar. I'm like, all I got to do is wake up, do some PT, do some detail for half yeah. the day. Nobody's really yelling at me. I go to the chow yeah. hall, get free food, and then I'm going to sit in my barracks and play my guitar, and I get the weekends off. And these guys are like, I got to get to my unit. It's a cop-out. Like, I don't get I mean, it, man. Yeah, I think it's a cop-out. They're, they're, yeah. they're just... Like I want to, I want to get there. I want to get there. I just want to get to a unit, and I'm like, okay, well, so do I. But yeah. I also want to kind of be in control of where I go. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was like, I hate Fort Benning. I'm never coming back here. <laughs> I, will, I will never live here. <laughs> Screw this place. You know, and that worked out super well, as we can see. Yeah. Um, you know, two seven five or one seven five, and just because like, hey, we want to get away from it, just because we've yeah. been around it so long. So how did so, you get so lucky then? Because the whoever it was that was there was like, I, I made the cutoff. That's, yeah. that's what it was. On the right side <laughs> the line. Whoever that asshole yeah. was, you didn't switch was. with the guy next to you and go, "Wait, wait, wait man, wait, hey, stand over here." Yeah. Don't don't get it wrong. I would have done it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would have done it in a heartbeat. Well, I don't know how it was when you went through, uh, Jason, but um, you know, for Paul, he was talking about how it's many guys too. They were talking about all right, you know, one, 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 three, mm-hmm. two, you know, type of thing, and. Yeah. For us, uh, everybody wants 175. I mean, that's just yeah. the way it is. And sure. uh, the cadre come out, and they're like, you know, whenever everybody, like, ooh, where am I going? I already knew where I was going. I, I told you that. I, that was like part of the, the drug deal that I got to go there. I was like, oh, good luck, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just going across the street. But uh, they laid out the um, the scrolls on the table in my class, and uh, Sergeant Shannon, and uh, rest his soul, but uh, – He's like, all right, well, there's five slots to uh, 175. May the best man win. He just literally watched the class beat shit at each other. <laughs> getting all the way, getting those scrolls off the table, man. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, 275. And then everybody just kind of sat there like, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. See, we had a lot more guys that were wanting to go to 275. I think it was just they were done with being at Fort Benning. We'd been yeah. there for, you know, the three months, what it's like three-ish months of basic training and then you a month airborne yeah you got we had, then you had the holdover 
Yeah, so we had we only had a week of holdover for airborne, and then three weeks airborne. So there's a month, and then another four or five weeks for rip hold, and then another four weeks for rip, and that you know started. Yeah, with, you're like six months into this bad boy, and you're like, get me out of here. Oh yeah, like I started February fourth or fifth basic training, and I didn't show up to two seven five until September twenty second, two thousand four. So it's and I can understand where guys are like I just want to get to my unit. I'm like, dude, I do too. I just want to get yeah. to two seven five and just chill, be away from the flagpole and cock my hat back and just, <laughs> you know. But that didn't work out either. Yeah, that I was, was gonna... yeah. I had uh, he he made his way around here to Fort Benning, Israel, Captain Israel. Um, he was an E five at the time, and I thought that was Satan himself. And I thought, <laughs> like, I thought what I had experienced already was traumatic enough. And I'm yeah. like. No, this guy was way more evil, like just beyond <laughs> evil, because we were on rear D at the time. Uh, yeah. And so all the newly minted tab spec force and corporals that were there, it was like just game on. Yep. So, but that, I, th- I thought that was, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, you know, that was actually really good because it helped develop that thick skin that you need in, you know, in the military, in that type of environment. So. Because when we when they got back from deployment, as you know, it's been said many times, it's it's brutal. Oh, you're a piece of shit. You haven't been, you know, yeah. uh, was a tab check, CIB check, blah 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 check, yeah. whatever. And you're like, oh my god, this never ends. Mm-hmm. So you just do push-ups. Just wherever you go, just do push-ups and do yep. one for airborne rangers in the sky, and no one's gonna do anything. What are you doing? Just doing push-ups, aren't just yep. doing push-ups. So <laughs> we had the same strategy. Well, not I had to get a message from somebody. I go tell the squad leader over there to send a message. I'm like, I'm gonna He's going to smoke me just for existing with oh, yeah. not enough rank. Don't breathe. Don't breathe. I would just run over there and I'd just start doing push-ups. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got something to tell you, but you can't smoke me if I'm doing push-ups. Right. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I would. I'd just, I'd run over, put my feet up, start pushing. Be like, hey, sorry, so-and-so told me to tell you, blah, 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 blah. Especially if it was bad news, just get over there and just start doing. Just, just go ahead and pick take your punishment now. Just you know? knock them out. That's yep. a, I like that. It's a bold yeah. strategy, Cotton. Apparently <laughs> it worked out for you. It worked out all right. Hey, man, don't forget to elevate your feet. You're, you're, That's right. I was going to say elevate. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the other thing. Even if it's a rock that big, you better yeah. elevate you your better feet. Get them on something. there. Yep. Is, that still, is that still true That's today? still a thing. Is it? Okay. I didn't yeah. know if that was something that uh, slowly died out. I was hoping that was something. It was just, you know. We, do, we used to elevate good. our feet on each other. You know, you mm-hmm. show up, there's nothing to elevate your feet. You put your feet on your buddy. Like, well, you just lost. Yeah. It's good times. No, but it's uh, like I said, understand. Understandably, guys get impatient, but uh, I'm glad that I waited it out. I was patient with that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it it worked out. Had some good times, rough times, and whatnot, and uh, got to be there for the you know famous bank robbery. So that was that was bank uh, robbery. Yeah, Luke Somers. You know, two seven five bank yeah, robbery. Know about that's, the, that's the two seven five heist. Yeah. So instead exactly. of the diamond, when you have the diamond, instead of having the two there, you have the dollar sign. Yeah. They totally would have got away with it, but attention to detail, man. It'll get you every time. I, yeah. I, so let's just go Seriously. ahead and talk about this because I don't know that. <laughs> How I, do you not know this? I, I feel like I somebody told me or I know it, but yet I'm drawing a blank. So there's even a book about it. All right, so Somebody let's talk wrote, about it. Okay. PCC's PCI's. That's right. Yep. That, that's right. I have a theory on that kind of. I think I, I'm because I so. I was actually roommates with that dude. That was my first roommate when wow. I showed up to 275. When they got back from deployment, he was my roommate. And you talk about weird, like super weird. Really? Decided to rob a bank, a bank. Yes, but like so. Three of them. Three guys. Three guys. Three decided. guys. Yeah, he, he, he brought in some guys from uh, Canada because he was from Canada. Oh. And so I lived with him for a little while. He just re- really weird roommate, just super, super weird, like. You're like, oh, I'm going to stay away from this guy. Just like, just a little weird. 
always talked about robbing a bank. Who doesn't talk about robbing a bank? Right. Everybody does. Like, sure. yo, let's go rob a bank, you yeah. know, and then we're going to go party it up or whatever. Yeah. We're going to buy a truckload of beer. I don't know, whatever. Uh, this crazy son of a bitch did it. You know, it's like the <laughs> meme, the gyms, the memes you see, like crazy son of a bitch, you did yeah. it. So he, yeah, so he behind, like unbeknownst to us at the time, behind our backs and in, behind closed doors or whatever, he recruited two privates because he was a tab spec four. So he had the power, you know, according to what the lawyers are saying, but he recruited these kids to do a bank heist and he did like he studied it thoroughly did an op order did it at warno did oh like, he did everything oh, it they was were precise they were training on noble hill which is uh you know right behind 275 and that was where we did eib and all that stuff so it's a very famous hill we do pt up and down that all the time get scuffed up so they're doing know. like little glass houses and <laughs> Dude, they, they had engineer exit. tape they did everything like wow. everything was on clock everything at practice taking off uh license plates that's right. So their their uh, their you know critical failure was the fact that they left their license plate on the front of the vehicle. So they the guy that the was back, yeah, the guy the that front. was hired the driver. Because in your state, you had in that state, you had both. So like Texas. Some so other this kid had Colorado plates on there because uh-huh. I I remember the kid. Uh, so he had Colorado plates. I still remember the green plates on his vehicle. I still remember it was a little Volkswagen four-door sedan. And they took the plates off the back, but not on, off the front. So they go in, execute, you know, actions on the objective, if you will. Yep. Time, you know, got time hacks. Like, man, these guys are going to get away with it. I'm just glad no cop showed up. Like, yeah. no brave citizen was like, hey, I'm going to take these guys on because they had frag grenades. They had body armor. Like, they, were, they were loaded for bear. Yeah, it was they point blank. It was like, like point break type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was ner- like ab- seeing it afterwards. I'm like, holy buckets, that could have gone really bad. Yeah. We actually got a call. So mm-hmm. it was like Monday or Tuesday or whatever. So Tony Brooks and I, because we, we were good friends, we drove to was it Sacramento. We went to uh, California to go visit family. On the way down, we get a phone call, and it's like, hey, dude, guess what happened? Summers robbed a bank. And we're like, no way. Like, come on, that's that's BS. And we like, you know, turn the news on and it's like, no shit. So the first sergeant, the command, like everybody gets recalled. We didn't get recalled. The the each like platoon didn't get recalled. Yeah. But the leadership did. And like, what the f- happened? You know, like what happened? And so we get very little information because we don't really have social media or the internet as much. You know, and so we just we find out all these things later on through, you know, investigations, and whatnot. He had, you know, this giant computer with all these plans on it and everything. And like I said, executed flawlessly minus those freaking license plates. And then he got busted and they got, you know, sent to prison. He got the, the longer of the stay. And yeah. then uh, I've looked it up a long time ago, but I guess he attempted to kill one of his buddies that he hired from Canada while in prison he had like a piece of uh gym equipment he broke a piece of plastic off of it got on top and was trying to you know stab him you know don't quote me on it but it, that's you know and then he got more time i'm like okay. dude you're such an idiot yeah. you're a dumbass because yeah. his his reasoning was he was what i heard at one point was that the hell's angels are selling drugs to kids and i'm like that's not gonna stop buddy like you're yeah. not gonna go and stop the hell's angels like that that takes a a bigger army than you Wait, can. So he was going to rob a bank to get the money to stop the Hells Angels. That's what he said. And I'm like, who knows what is true or what's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because he was pissed wow. at the. Because where he's from, the Hells Angels are selling drugs to kids. And it's like, well, w- w- that let the drug enforcement. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. But, and then yeah. also, 
was yeah. because of war crimes. He experienced war crimes, you know, CIA, how, like all this, you're like, where's your tinfoil hat? You know, like, yeah. that's what it sounded like to me. You know, you're giggling about it. And it's like, we were too. We're like, dude, what is this guy yeah. on? Like, what has he been smoking? But he was always kind of weird. So yeah, we we're known as the bank robbers. So they uh, they took a photo, I guess, or a, a traffic, or what was it? The security camera got the license plate. So that's what, how they knew everything that happened. Oh yeah, as soon as they got the license plate, it, it was yeah, a matter was of hours like, when they yeah. they rolled up to the barracks in the you know behind the brown fence, and it was game over. Like it was real yeah. quick. It and I don't know how long it would have taken. I'm sure one of those kids that he hired, they would have spilled the beans. They yeah, they're not going to hold up. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. So, but yeah, they the, would have caught him eventually. What about oh, the two privates? So they they didn't they're not in prison. They they ended up getting out because you could you could argue and say hey they were coerced, which mm-hmm. you can you know yeah. like hey this guy he has more rank and more power than these two privates and he can coerce them and say hey look this is part of your mission and you know blah 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 and you know you're doing a service yeah. for your country and whatever. still jackasses. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Like but you just you just pissed away your 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 entire military career right there. Yeah, and probably even civilian jobs in some <laughs> cases. Oh, it was yeah. a dishonorable discharge, yeah. you know. Well, oh, yeah, and a felony charge. Yeah, yeah, you get a couple of those there yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think those aren't good for. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get a TS job anywhere anytime soon <laughs> working for the government. And I mean, we had we had guys that would do dumb stuff. They like they would mm-hmm. purposely go, you know, use cocaine, knowing that yeah. tomorrow we have no. I'm and he even admitted to it. And I'm like. The first sergeant at the time was like, dude, why didn't you just come to me and tell me you wanted to leave? I could have yeah. gotten you out of here and out of the military like you want, and yeah. you would be just fine. You'd actually leave with benefits. Now you're leaving with no benefits. Yeah, It's being impatient once again. I just want to get to my unit. Like, yeah. fuck it, I just want to get out. Like, you hear that all the time. Like, guys say, I just want to get out. I want to get out. I want to get out. <clears throat> yeah. Same thing. And so they're like, well, shoot, I'll just go snort some cocaine, and we're good to go. Well, it goes back to... Uh, I could go down a rabbit hole here, but I'm, I won't. But uh, the culture back then, right, yeah. um, is way different than, you know, what, what we, we have now. And, yeah. Uh, to, to speak to the culture, you know, back then was uh, people were, quote, unquote, harder, if you will. You know, that I'm sure the first aren't wasn't, like, the most approachable dude probably. or that no. mo- Most of the squad leaders back then, the 90 the weren't, for sure. So no. uh, it speaks to the culture of the guys, like, and the difference. I mean, we still have those problems here and there, just the same, but uh, not definitely not as much as what they used to have back well, then. I think, I think back then it was better to be kicked out or killed or injured mm-hmm. than it was to quit. That Absolutely. was like, but I mean, it's in the creed too. I mean, surrender is not a range of word, and you can take that as far as you like. Yeah. So I, I mean, I get it. And I had, you know, a buddy of mine, he kind of did the same thing, probably more than one buddy, where they're like, I'm going to opt out on the piss test. It's like, well, you. It's yeah. an easy. You're act. gonna have to deal with that for a long time. Yes. Like it's, a, it's an easy way to say like I'm done. Mm-hmm. I've, I've paid my, I've spent all I can spend here, and it's time for me to move on. But it's a man. That's a tough road after you. It is. After and, you leave. And not to try to sound like a you know therapist or anything like that, but you gotta talk to somebody. You know, Absolutely. and just yeah. like you said. Yeah. So like one of my uh, first squad leaders was Sergeant Major Masters, and so amazing individual. He yeah. was, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was approachable, but I don't, th- I think we were still very intimidated because then we had the complete opposite of him who we have psychopaths, like just straight up psychopaths. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I, there's no way I can talk to this guy. But what was 
amazing was you'd go out in public, you know, as yeah. a tab spec four or, or tab D five, and he's a squad leader, E six squad leader. You go out, and it's like, hey Pete, what's going on? How's it going, bro? What's up, dude? Yeah. You're like, what? The? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what happened? Like just complete psycho. But he, also, I did. At the time, I didn't know he had a very rough upbringing. His mom eventually uh, committed suicide, walked into traffic, and so he had a very rough upbringing. So I feel like that's something that no one ever yeah. takes into consideration um, why he is the asshole that he is. Um, like our uh, one of our my, where my first platoon sergeant Jeremiah Congdon, he went on go up north and everything, and uh, thankfully he survived a very uh, horrific incident. Like a lot of people would see him as an asshole. He had a very deep voice and whatnot, and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Like he was, yeah. he was a lot more approachable than some other guys. So you just have a, a very broad range of people, but you generally don't talk to anybody that outranks you because yeah. you're going to, you're going to get smoked. Like it's, it's just so ingrained into you. You're like, well, you're just like the little beaten redheaded stepchild. You're just going to sit there like this yeah. and not do anything. Well, that's, that's the image you cultivate too. I mean, I remember like you're supposed to get tattoos and you're supposed to jack weights and you're supposed to be, you're supposed to look like a killer and act like a killer, literally. Yep. But yeah, like I said, they, these people are like raising little girls and little <laughs> boys and they're doing family stuff. And like, it's just so incongruous back then between the human being and the, the, the resume and the image that they project. So yeah, talking about to that guy about, Hey, you know, I think I've had enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for me to go down the line. Like, you know, this guy's, yeah, that's literal killer with prison tattoos <laughs> all over uh, reputation. Yeah, we had one of those. Him, we had one of those. I don't know. You've ever heard of a guy named Jimmy Valdez? So he was a squad leader at 275. He was my squad leader. Um, platoon Brawl. Yeah, mm-hmm. he and I, as a tab spec four, were fist yeah. fighting in the back by the Connexes. Yeah. Like, like, man, I'm going to get my ass kicked by this Vato. Like, yeah. he's, straight, he's got LA tattoos. Like, he's straight up <laughs> yeah. Vato. Yeah. But. Probably one of the most squared away, awesome NCOs, just human beings you'll ever meet. You know, like this dude straight up like prison tattoos. Like if you, yep. it's quintessential Bato, greatest dude in the yeah. world. Like you're just like, what the hell's going on? Anybody here? ever tell you, you if you took a, took the uniform off and everybody was just in PT shorts, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a formation of prisoners from Sing Sing and a formation of Rangers. You're damn right. <laughs> Except the tattoo work might be a little bit better. Yep. <laughs> might be refined you know, a little like, bit. It's a little bit nicer. You just pick the better tattoos than those of the yeah. Rangers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A little bit better tattoo <laughs> machines. Exactly. Yeah. A little bit qual- better quality uh, environments and whatnot. No, it, it is that way. It's funny how... Um, that's what p- people consider, you know, those, those individuals, those groups of people in those soft units and whatnot. And, but I feel that's some of the best people though, yeah. you know, it's kind of, you kind of have to be a little, a little off kilter just a little bit to, to say, Hey, I want to go do this. Right. They're like most normal people aren't really just excited about doing that. They're, yeah. you know, like, Hey, I just want to jump out of airplanes at, you know, crazy altitudes or go dive, you know, at crazy depths and whatnot, or just go run into a hail of gunfire because of, you know, why not? Well, that machine gun's over there and it's not going to come over here. So I better that's go right. run over there. Yeah. Use I, a, use you better be able can. to do it in 40 minutes or less. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No joke. There we go. Standards <laughs> coming in with the standards. I, I think, you know, nowadays so many people are talking about mental health and, you know, how to, <laughs> create more resiliency in the force and all of this stuff. And I, I think sometimes you forget, like you're, you're training to take life. You're training to mm-hmm. face death and danger all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's important to be able to do that. So my question is, how do you balance that? 
you know, like it, it's a, to me, it's a serious question. I mean, I'm not even in the military yeah. anymore, but it's a, a question that I, I often sit there and think about, like, how do you balance that? Because uh, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jordan Peterson or not, but he, yeah. uh, I listen to him uh, on and off and, you know, he says, don't be a monster, you know, be that yeah. monster, but learn to control that monster. That's when you're dangerous, you know, and, but in a good way, like you can be very effective, but when you can control that, you know, the Jekyll and the Hyde, when, when you're able to control that, that's, I, I feel like that's when you're starting to get on the road of, of peak performance because, you know, it's, it's so hard with, you know, talking about mental health. I know you talked about it as well. And, you know, that was something that we didn't do growing up. Mental health, you don't talk about your feelings. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I don't recall my parents telling me that they loved me like in a, you know, like they do now until I was much, much older because they didn't experience that. And I felt bitter about that for a long time. And it's like, but they just didn't know. Right. And so it's like I needed to make sure that I needed to look at my own mental health. And I, I broke down at one point and I'm like, look, dude, there something's going to happen. Either I'm going to figure this out or I'm going to put a gun in my mouth, you know, and I'm right. sure a lot of people feel that way. You know, I know they yeah. do uh, look at the suicide rates and, and whatnot. And so I just broke down and I'm like, hey, I, I'm here because I got a problem. There you so go. that's right. And it, it sucked. And it's dude, it's still a process. You know, I'm still doing it now. And trying to and, and trying to find somebody that works well with you like that's another tough thing like it's i'm at the pastoral institute actually and I, i'm like man i struck gold because this dude's actually talking about stuff instead of well medication this medication that and it's like i'm more than happy to report i take zero medications right now i take zero medications whatsoever that's prescribed to me i barely take mm. advil yeah, i barely awesome. take out just yeah but you say it's awesome. It is. It is. It's great. But here's the problem. You feel everything, everything, everything that comes up, every emotion, everything. That's the, so that's been the hardest thing for me to deal with is, is yeah. you know, just like, fuck, man, I feel. That's what it. makes us human though, you know, and that, that's what yeah. allows us to be able to, to have empathy for others and, and yeah. to take your experiences and, and tell people it is okay to get help and it is okay to, you yeah. know, confide in other, other people. And like I've, I've said before and on here, you know, uh, a relationship with your counselor is just that and, and finding mm -hmm. the right one um and if you can't find that you know find the right ranger buddy or, or yeah. friend to do that so yeah uh yeah it, it sucks to uh to feel to actually feel the pain but you, you're not going to heal from it unless you feel from it so but yeah I, and I, I think that's part of what you're talking about with the jordan peterson thing you know where he talks about you know you need to be dangerous like it's like a Jungian shadow kind of thing mm -hmm. you know i i think that medications absolutely have their place mm -hmm. and there's people absolutely. that need them and Completely if that's agree. what your plan is like no judgment from me but mm -hmm. i also think that you know like you say you feel everything like you need to process that and be comfortable with that because that makes mm -hmm. you up the good and the bad mm -hmm. you know the positive and the negative i think there's a lot of people that you know they want to be made happy yeah. and happy is you know happy is breakfast you know yeah you're supposed to feel it you know eat breakfast in the morning yeah. and then you got to go to work so, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of other things that you need to feel as well. You need to feel fear and remorse and guilt, but you also need to feel satisfaction and fulfillment and love and yeah. camaraderie. So it's not just, I think people, and maybe it's media, maybe it's, you know, how we're raised on movies and things like oh, that. Yeah. You know, and the rom-coms, like, find your person and become happy. Well, that's not how life works, and it yeah. never is. You'll never be happy. You know, so, like, get in touch with the fact that 
you might be capable of extreme violence, but you're also capable of extreme discretion. Mm-hmm. You might be capable of extreme sadness or yeah. you know depression, whatever it may be, whether it's malaise or just torment. I mean, my grief torments me. It's like fucking biblical, yeah. you know? But it's crazy. I've found that there's times for me to do that and there's times for me not to do that. And when it's time to let it out, all right, I'm... You know, yeah. Darren Close and Wayland, you know, that's, that's just what you do. Yeah, do what you need and to do. And it doesn't mean that anything else. And there's sometimes when I'm numb to all of that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that those people don't matter to me. And it doesn't mean that I've forgotten anything. Mm-hmm. It just means that that's how I'm feeling now. Yeah, it's, it's it, the thing that I'm, I'm picking out of that is you're, you're aware. Yeah. And that's what I've, I've become more aware. Um, I feel like the, the good times feel better now. Now that I'm not yeah. numb from this whatever medication, from sleep medication, from antidepressants, from this and that and the other, once that shit got out of my system, it was like, whoa, I can, like, this sucks. You know, once all the side effects and, and all that finally wore off, it was like, man, this freaking sucks. But then I, I listened to a lot of podcasts on mental health, um, you know, psychology. I was actually listening to one on, on the way up here. We was talking about this lady uh, working with soft, doing, you know, these 12 minute practices and whatnot and blah, 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 blah. I just, I, I feel like if I just constantly bombard myself with this type of education, I look at it as education that it, my, I have no choice but to change, you know, for the better because I'm listening to, you know, stuff that's going to make me a better human being in through all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling things a lot more, but I'm also aware of at times where I'm like, why is everyone getting on every damn last nerve that I have today? Yeah. Usually I don't feel that. Usually I'm just like, I don't care. Like screw yeah. everybody else. You know, I don't give a, give a shit about anybody else. And, and there's a time and place for that. But for the most part, that's, that's in my opinion, for me, uh, myself, that's the wrong way to think. You need to be empathetic towards what, you know, what's going on with these people. Like, you know, you don't know what that person's going through today. Their dad may yeah. have died. They may, their dog may have died. You know, dogs are a huge thing. You know, every, every dog that, that died in my, in my household or whatever has been a a bad thing, you know, made me cry. Shit. I don't care. Like it's just the way it is, but it's good to feel those things. And I'm, I'm glad that I can feel these negative feelings, but also these positive feelings without having to be medicated on something that's supposed to make me happy. And I found out after years and years and years of trying all sorts of different crap, None of it worked. None of it did anything. It didn't make me any happier. It kind of gave me like a little bit of, okay, I'm kind of cool or whatever. It kind of took the edge off, but like it just, it didn't do anything. And so do you think that maybe taking that edge off and, you know, maybe numbing some aspects of what you're feeling gave you space or time to focus maybe on specific things and kind of break it down into more manageable pieces to help you process through that mental health? Because I think that, I guess I'm asking because these are very useful medications. They are. They are very useful medications. Um, For me, it was, I just felt so groggy. Right. Because to put me down is like you're trying to put down like a horse. That's a common statement. Yeah. And so, because, but I'm finding out that it's, your brain, your brain, you have to figure out how to, I don't want to say control your brain, but you have to, this 12 minute practice type deal, meditation type stuff, things like that. Being mindful, being aware, not being on your stupid ass phone. You know, like that thing is the killer. I've noticed that more and more as Robert picks up his phone. (laughs) (laughs) You keep talking about this uh, woman and I'm going to throw a name at you. So keep going. Cause um, Uh, 
but no, it's it's just I'm trying to be more aware of and, and breaking the, it down. But just like you said, breaking it down into small segments because I'm the kind of guy I'm gonna I'm gonna conquer this entire mountain without right. taking out this first little section right one here, this little one rock at a time. Because yeah. just like getting up the mountain, how do you get up the bastard? One step at a time. How yeah. do you get through a road march? One step at a time. You know. Yeah. And so it's like. That's what it is. It's, yeah, breaking it down to more manageable, uh, more palatable right. uh, processes and, and digest. Like you know, I mean, I was I was taking trazodone and yeah. you know, pretty healthy dose of trazodone that'll yeah. put down some people and it put me down. But the nightmares were unreal. Really? Like I've had really bad problems with nightmares. Like just for like it ebbed and flowed. They're you know they taper off every now and then, but like it was just it made it that much more worse. Like it was just. God, this freaking sucks. And then I wake up, and then I'm awake all night, and then I'm pissed off the next day, yeah. and then I hate everybody, and then it's just like, yeah. it just sucks. It's just one of those things. It's like you're just tired of being tired, man, like just yeah. constantly tired. So, you know, you got to focus back on, on what, number one, first your mental health and then your physical health. And yeah. so it's like uh, most people, they gain quite a bit of weight when they leave the military. I, yep. I've actually lost about 15 pounds leaving the military, and I'm just kind of like just chilling out. You know, yeah. I don't go run 20 miles a day. I don't lift. I can't deadlift 400 pounds right now. Yeah. I can't bench press a car. Yeah. I still have some endurance from, it's just, I was an endurance type guy. You could put body yeah. armor on me and I'll run the same speed. It yeah. was just weird like that. I'm slow, but I can run like that for a long time. And so it's just kind of refocusing back and like finding out what I can do and, and what I can do for myself to be, you know, a better father, a better, a, a better citizen, a better person, you know, maybe be an example to somebody one day. So just trying to be more empathetic, like you were saying. Well, I think so. that's really useful that you mentioned, like the PT thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I when you and I met, Jason, we I was like kind of on the the tail end of my career. I was drinking too much. I wasn't as much of a stud, you know, as I was. But I was always a PT stud, man. I fucking love PT. And I got out, and I'm like, I could. I was on a cane for almost six weeks. My back was so bad. Really? Like walking with a cane, it yeah. would take me about ten minutes to walk across this room that's 20 feet long. Mm. Wow. Just one little baby step at a time, you know. And But like you said, I don't need to deadlift 400 pounds. I don't need to run five miles under 40 minutes. I don't need mm -hmm. to bench press a car. If that's what you want to do, that's your outlet. Yeah, that's I think it's fine. awesome. Yeah. But like being a better father or a better employee or a better whatever it is you're trying to be better at doesn't really have anything to do with those metrics. I think exactly. that uh, one thing uh, we've, we've been like – hitting a lot at work is uh, we have our cognitive mind coach and mm -hmm. um, mindfulness, you know, all that, all that is rolled up in mindfulness and, and mindfulness, is, you know, isn't just a word and how you say it. it. It's, it's taking a, you know, a breath every, you know, every six seconds and and, and mm -hmm. feeling that going in and out and just being like aware of your surroundings and, and, and have an actual mindness and not just saying, Hey, yeah, I'm mindful. But, uh, yeah. um, and then in the book, uh, chop wood, carry water, um, he talks about this warrior dial, mm -hmm. right? And, and this is coming from, you know, a, a sensei who's like awesome, you know, he's just a, yeah, a yeah. great warrior. But um, he talks about, uh, he's given him a guidance on like being able to turn it all the way to 10 mm -hmm. when it's time to go yeah. to work, but also being able to dial it back to one mm -hmm. when you're, you know, just chilling for, for lack of a better term. But, uh, be putting those two together, you mm -hmm. know, and and you have to like, I don't say compartmentalize, but a little bit like yeah. this is what mindfulness is. This is how to use my warrior dial, mm -hmm. and this is how to put them both yeah. together. 
and you and you learn how to do those through you know awareness through counseling and through and through yeah. you know therapy and and there's a big difference and a lot of people just say counseling well there's yeah. a difference between counseling and therapy you know exactly. so people go to counseling and talk to a counselor and people go to counselors and get therapy yeah actual therapy so yeah. knowing the difference and what you need to to, to provide for your awareness and, and your benefit and your health and, and all those things and being able to put those together and then lastly is uh one thing we go through life we're like we get as, <clears throat> as men for sure we're, mm-hmm. we're all about like our image right oh yeah, yeah. uh and for me to like come out and talk about like my mental health stuff that, that I've yeah. talked about and, and all the education and all those things. The one thing I, I had to cut first was my pride and image, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and what people thought about me. Yeah. And I was like, if, if I keep thinking that I don't want to say this because they're going to think I'm, you know, an idiot or mm-hmm. they're going to think less of me of a man, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get anywhere in exactly. anything I do. And, and that's uh, us as men. I know is and definitely like, our backgrounds is that's the hardest thing to get rid of first is your pride and image. Yeah. And once you get rid of that, it's, it's literally like watching the hot air balloon fly away. That's how it was for me. Anyway, I want to jump a hot air balloon too, by the way. <laughs> I would love to do that. I, let's talk offline. I know somebody. Okay, good. Yeah. Cause I almost did it in Eloy, but I missed yeah. the boat or the balloon no, on that no, one. I got you. No, we can do it together. I'm good. Yeah. Let's do it, bro. I got my rig. Yeah, so I got my rig. So I did pick up the phone because I wanted yeah. to pick up the the name. And so does the name Carrie Elk Rena Bell? Is that the person um, you're talking about for the 12 minute? No, um, this was. Um, she is a therapist that uh, works a lot. I think with uh, special ops, and um, I think I've heard of her before. Lives um, down in Tampa area. Yeah, Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Amishi Jaw, J H A. Wow. Okay. No, nope. that one coming. No. Nope. Yeah. Um, so it's Joe Rogan because he always has weird. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. What? I didn't see that one coming. Oh. <laughs> what the pronunciation? <laughs> no, the, yeah, the pronunciation. I, I don't know. I, I was going I, with like a you know, uh, Jay Ha, Tammy, whatever. Tammy, <laughs> Tammy Wynette, the country singer. <laughs> well, no, I, listen, listen. I'm gonna throw. I'm like you talked about the whole pride thing or whatnot. Like. I'm going to say it how I say it, and I'm probably going to get made fun of Actually, it. Actually, I was impressed. Yeah. So No, yeah, no, no, you, no. no I wasn't talking about that. No, I was just saying like, who that person was. I was like, I, I was thinking of like, yeah, a, like I had I just said Carrie Hill, so we were thinking yeah, I had something like a, uh, similar. Uh, uh, you know. Middle-aged white lady with oh, yeah. four doctor degree. That, that's <laughs> no. what I had pictured in my head when yeah. he was talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was blown away, too. Well, he has very odd people on his show. Um, yeah. And I, him and Lex Friedman and some other podcasts that I listen to, they have a lot of like psychologists, psychologists, you know, psychotherapists and things like that, um, dealing with this, different types of procedures and whatnot. And so, to me, it's very fascinating. I'm, I'm really starting to get really excited about mental health, and that most people would be like, you have this quote unquote alpha male, you know, veteran type guy or whatever did X, Y, and Z, and it's like he's excited about mental health. It's like, is he okay? And it's like, yeah, actually, that's. That let's not, you know, put people in a box and say, hey, because he's actually looking out for his mental health now, he's a, you know, he's a bitch or he's, he's you know, he's not being there for his team. Right. You, there's a time to be there for your team, but there's also a time to be there for yourself. I say he's better than okay. You know, he, he's not only better than okay, but he's been at war for 20 years. He realizes the, the, the issues, the problems, mm-hmm. the, the things that are going on in society with the, the suicides and how people are, are, are acting to, to it. And, and this war's come to an end. Mm-hmm. And, and he has uh, stepped up 
and and putting itself out there to be like, hey, we've been this, you know, and the Army has been like the most well-oiled machine in the beacon of light for the United States for the last 20 years, and I'm going to stand up and do what it takes to be that beacon of light for the people who need the help who've yeah. been given away for the last 20 years. And, and to have somebody like, like, like yourself and, and others to stand up and be like, hey, I get help and there's nothing wrong with it, and I do this and I don't take the meds, you know, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with those. Some people need different things. Absolutely. I'm trying to do everything like you know, my way on natural mm-hmm. and whatever, and, and to, to be able to do that uh, humbly is, is, is super awesome. I, I'm glad, to, glad that you shared that with if us. If you think about that, though, that's like right in line with your character as, uh, you know, a warrior, a warfighter, or somebody that's that – we're trying to leverage the capability of our body Absolutely. to the – thousandth percent that whatever the edge of the razor is i want to be standing on it on my tippy toes mm-hmm. physically you know and that's mentally as well but we were raised in a culture where that meant you know you study your knowledge and you learn to think faster and you you know you do things that way but we forgot that like we do pt for our bodies you need mm-hmm. to do pt for your brain mm-hmm. you know like if you're not practicing this ahead of time then you end up like the three of us sitting around the table like all right, I took a beating. Yep. I have suffered all this trauma, and my psyche's just, you know, blown out. I've I've just been taken for granted that I was tough, not realizing that, mm-hmm. yeah, you had a natural maybe ability, and you've used it all up, and you've, you've yeah. taken it for granted. And I think what's so important, especially you know, you that's still active, Jason, and you know, you afterwards on your journey, it's like you can do. You don't have to wait till you need help. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't. Yeah, I waited way too long. Yeah, totally. I waited. I waited years too long. It's yeah. a huge departure, though, from what it was back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it's because of folks like you that stepped forward. I mean, even when we started this podcast now six years ago, this kind of conversation didn't even happen then. No. And it was for those individuals who stepped forward in those early days after they separated and started talking about it. The guys inside started saying, "Hey." I don't want to wait until I get out to have mm-hmm. a commu- you know a conversation around this. And thankfully, there were leaders there that listened and said, "No, wait, we, I'd rather retain you. Let's get you help." That's right. And yeah. I, I, I think uh, I've been I've talked about this with uh, my ranger buddy, and I was talking to him about this morning. Actually, I know we're here on a phone call, and uh, I call <clears throat> I call it the uh, the Steve Jobs concept. Um, when I say the name Steve Jobs, what do you think, Paul? Yeah. I think about Apple. And That's all X. you think about, yeah. right? That's the first did, thought. Did yeah. anybody, did anybody sitting here when I said Steve Jobs think uh, great leader, great family man, great anything no. other than Apple? Where's my new iPod, my ISO, right? So, yeah. you know, in the Steve Jobs, my my like way I'm thinking like in, in the, the Steve Jobs concept is whenever somebody says uh, a Jason Belford or or you, you know Paul or whatever you, you name it. Uh, Pete or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, are they going to say Army Ranger, Warrior, et cetera, et cetera, or are they going to say um, selfless servant, somebody who looks out for others, a good leader, somebody who'll stand up for the things that are right, mm-hmm. a family man? You know, th- those are the things that I, I think you should uh, try to strive to 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 put your name on, right? And, Absolutely. And, instead of like when that somebody says. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's that thing that you're leaving behind, that legacy. What right. legacy you want to leave behind? And, and when 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 you say, uh, I was just thinking about like, if I say one word, one name, yeah, what would somebody say? And I I, I was on my phone, so I was like, 
Yeah. Steve Jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I kind of put that with that, and, and my ranger buddy was like, "That's that's brilliant," you know. And I, and mm-hmm. the thing is, like, I want somebody to say that he's he's a great dude. You know, he's a nice guy. He helps others, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was in the army too. Think, yeah. You know what I mean? I think right. <laughs> not like, oh yeah, that was the army ranger guy, blah blah, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So. It's interesting because I, I think, you know, football coaches, especially in college, you know, there's a saying that a few of them that will tell players and you are what you put on tape. If you think about that exact same thing in terms of life, you know, what are you putting out there? What are you sharing with people? How are you acting? How are you carrying yourself? What are you doing for others? All of those types of things, it's the same thing. When we yeah. rewind the tape and look at your life, what do we see? What will we yeah. come away with? Right. Yeah. That's that's what attracted me to being involved in this podcast so much, you know, is having your mentorship, and you know, see, I got out, I got a book deal, like a, like a wannabe seal, and I did yeah. that thing, and the and the pitch was, hey, here's a super sniper, book. That's mm-hmm. not what I wrote, but that's how I got the book deal, and the pressure on me was to become, you know, like a Nick Irving or a Chris Kyle, where it's like I'm a super sniper. Mm-hmm. And which I wasn't, I was okay. Jason will tell you, <laughs> I'm better than Jason, but still just oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> I was waiting for it. He's a better shot than me. I'll give him that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, better at PT though. But you know, as I talked to Rob more, I'm like, well, here's a guy who had a lengthy career, many accolades. And like, I don't never really thought of Rob as like the veteran guy. Like mm-hmm. I knew that and I could see certain aspects of your personality that were shaped by military, but I knew that because I was in the military and everything else after that, you know, from your personal life and your professional life, I was like, I, I want to be like that. I want to continue to strive and continue, continue to be successful and continue to reinvent Mm -hmm. because I was in the military in my twenties. Yeah. You're a fucking knucklehead. Yeah. And the decisions you make and the, the persona that you, um, project and that you foster like that is not sustainable no at absolutely all and not. if you try to man you're, if you're on the bacon whiskey deadlift lifestyle you're not gonna you're gonna have problems mm-hmm. you know major problems health-wise mental personal and you see it all the time unfortunately oh, yeah. and it's like man you, you just let go of your red you're not your resume you're not your service you're not your erb exactly you know and you need to eat some crow and be humble and start at the bottom yeah. over again mm-hmm. and find somebody, you know, thankfully, wow, thank you. You know, we were, we found each other and we, you know, you're, you're willing to mentor me, even if you didn't know you were doing it. To but get a hug after all of this. Yes. And cause the, yeah. like we talked to the, like, uh, the civilian <laughs> mentor, you know, yeah. that, that, that's a real thing. And I, I'm glad that I, like I said, last time I said the same thing was sitting in on those guys, you know, find that civilian mentor and you found him. And, uh, I, like I said, I got Dave and a couple of others and, I'm sure UP got got several civilian mentors, and um, it, just finding that person to lean on. You know, my sister is super awesome. She we're, she's one of the people I lean on. You know, if I, I'm having whatever problems that you know I'm not really counselor worthy, if you will, or or you know wife worthy. I, mm-hmm. I call my big sister, and uh, she's like, she got we're getting gonna get this tattoo that says uh, my brother's keeper my sister's protector and uh she she's is my keeper literally like since i was a little tiny thing and uh i've always found comfort in 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 her and 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 trying to find that like person who my sister is the greatest 
woman of all times, and the nicest person you could ever meet. She's a, a, a small kid, uh, early elementary school teacher, uh, counselor. I mean, when you when kids see my sister, they just run to her, you know, and that's how I've always been with her, you know, and, and having that person to go get, go get to that point with in your life and, and, or find that person that means that much to you and be able to confide in it. Everybody needs that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing to me that, that the way you're describing your sister, it just, just hearing how much affection is there and just how powerful she is, not knowing how powerful she is with, with her, just her presence. Just when I walk into the room, it gives me chill bumps with that. When I walk into <laughs> exactly. the same room my sister's exactly. in, like I don't want to do nothing for the next thirty seconds except go give her a hug. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. And and it's always been that way. Every time she's been around, when I was a kid, when I, you know I would get uh, when I get injured, I get hurt, and mm-hmm. I get whatever. Like she was, she's always been that just big big umbrella for me. And she's she's that person for me that you go straight to when there's you don't think you have anybody else or you don't want to talk to anybody else or whatever. Like I'm always talking to big sis. No, that that's, that's amazing that you have somebody like that in your life. I think, you know, as individuals, we definitely need somebody, a sounding board or someone that, that we can be that comfortable with. You know, I would hope that I could be that person for someone else someday. And yeah, and I think know. we all do, you know, and that's the, about standing up. And like I said, about the 20 years war and standing up being that beacon of light for somebody. To, and mm-hmm. I, I aspire to like have somebody that, wants to come to me with those type of things and be like, I can confide in him to that. And he's going to give me, you know, left, right instructions. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like my, uh, actually my buddy Luke is, uh, his son, his oldest son on veterans day. He texted me, Hey, uh, uncle, he calls me uncle flip. Another name, another nickname, (laughs) different part of the world or different part of the U S but you know, he's, he's like 13 years old. And I mean, I haven't really been in this kid's life like a, like, every single day or anything. I just, every now and then I go see him and whatnot. And, but he's like, he calls me his uncle and he's like, you're an inspiration to me and my brother. And I'm like, Whoa, immediately you're like, ah, fucking onions. (laughs) That is awesome. too. Well, it, 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 you know, used to, I'd be like, okay, you know, kind of cool. But like for now, no meds, you feel everything. And it's like, Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm blown away because I don't just like you, you know, you're saying that self image, I don't see myself the way he sees me. I see all the stupid shit I did, all the problems I caused and created for myself and all the dumb stuff I did. You know, he doesn't see any of that, thankfully, because he yeah. maybe have a different perception yeah. of me at that point. But I have the same thing with uh, with my buddy Chris that I was saying, my, my, my uh, buddy, my best friend in life, you know, since I was a little baby, uh, his, his son Remington. Um, man, that kid thinks I'm the greatest thing ever you know mm-hmm. he uh he had well when well, cool little story when he was a baby uh now he's like i think 10 uh, 11 or 12 but uh when he was a baby uh he had i got one of these bears that have range you had the the ranger hat oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and i put that if, i put that on him as a yeah. uniform that's how big he, you know little little guy <laughs> got that picture yeah, that's, of him. Cool. that's, that's awesome he's <laughs> got like a tambourine on and, and that you know it was awesome and that picture is still still hanging there and it, it's super awesome but remington like like i'm his uncle jason you know mm-hmm. and he acts like ranger sends me like pictures you know of him yeah. doing ranger stuff and then he's like into karate now so uh 
my kids didn't get, they got into like wrestling and jujitsu stuff, but they mm-hmm. didn't get like into the karate. And he started that back home and not uh, all my, my, uh, my white through black belt. Um, I boxed it up and mm-hmm. sent it to oh, him wow. and, and, yeah. and give and I give it to him. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, it's just awesome. That you're, you're saying that, that, that they think so much of you and yeah. you're like, uh, yeah. man, I don't think you're that way, but yeah, to have those little kids that, and look yeah. up to you like that is super awesome. Yeah, and, and that makes me think like, damn, I need to keep myself in check. Yeah. Absolutely. So it means like, oh man, I need to keep make sure I'm squared away, you know, military lingo, make sure I'm not I'm being a good example, not only in front of these kids, but it, you know, they follow me on social media. So an I can't be acting, check every day. Yeah, don't don't look like don't be acting like an asshole on, on social media and whatnot because these kids see it. My daughter, you know, growing when she was growing up, I, at the time I was still drinking, but like I was doing a lot of dumb stuff in front of her and it affected her. And I didn't realize it affected her because number one, my, my dumb self was drinking and taking medications like an asshole. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that those kids that are, you know, we talking about it earlier, they see this thing at a very young age. Mm-hmm. They see this secondary and, post-traumatic stress. Exactly. And I'm like, man, like, it is. I'm, I mean, we're all guilty. I know I, I, 100%. I'm guilty of it. You know, I, I got seven kids too. And I, I, yeah. I have, uh, I've stress level, stress level 110 and and I've had, you know, outbursts in front of my kids and, uh, I've said things to my wife in front of my kids Mm -hmm. that, you know, I I regret and absolutely, you know, the next day you're like, what a piece of shit, you know, you just feel horrible about who you were and how Mm -hmm. you are. And, uh, that, that's, that's another reason why I, I continue to seek help aggressively and, and be open and come here and do these things. I'm very honored to be able to do this like yourself and, and be open and get the help that you need and let people know like, Hey, we're normal people literally every day. And mm-hmm. I go home and I, you know, jack it up every day. You know, I'm like, well, I'm sorry, honey, the next morning, you know, mm-hmm. well, motto's better every day for a reason. And I <laughs> well, didn't exactly. need to restart from zero again, <laughs> yeah. but shit. <laughs> but no, exactly. That, that it's in, but the good thing is that you're, you're like still going back to it. You're not giving up on it, you know, just like going through trials and tribulations in the military, whether it's a course, it's a selection, whether, you know, whatever it may be, whatever the obstacle is, you're not giving up. That's what I'm taking away from what you're saying. It's like, yeah, and, and you already know you're going to screw up. And you're like, well, well, then why would you even sit there and, like, try to do better? Or do, it's like, because I still want to be a better person at the end of the day. I know I'm going to mess up because I'm imperfect. No one is perfect. But I can learn from that at least. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to try again. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I'm just going to keep term, doing it. Do you believe your own lie, you know? I'm like, you know what? If right now all I have <laughs> is to believe is my own lie that I'm trying to get better every day, then I'll lie to myself every day mm-hmm. if it keeps getting me better. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I believe my own lie, if you will. I've heard people, I've heard people say that. So, I do. And and if you're like I said, if you have to lie to yourself to to, to be better every day and try to keep getting better and keep getting better until it's your own truth, mm-hmm. and do it. Well, that's how you got to be a ranger, right? You showed up every day and you stuck your chest out and you stood on the line even though you were afraid and even though mm-hmm. you weren't sure you were going to make it and you weren't sure you were going to, even after you were there, yeah. you weren't sure if you were going to pass the mustard this time, you know, because it's a test every single day, but you pretended like you could and you, you know, emulated the people around you that were doing it, who were emulating the people around them that were doing it, who were emulating the people, you know, until you kind of get into that point where, all right, I know that maybe I don't know how to do exactly what I want to do or be the man that I want to be, but I know how to yeah. try to be. Yeah, absolutely. 
And I think it's important. Like you're never going to get to a point where you're set. You figured it out. No, your shit's together. I know I'm not. Like gonna people are like, I gotta get my shit together. Like, <laughs> yeah. in in a superficial sense, yeah, you know, like make your bed. Gotta clean get all my room. shit in one sock, and then mm-hmm. when that sock gets full, I put it over here in this bigger yeah, sock. Exactly. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's a never-ending process. Well, Vince Vargas told this to me. Like, it's a balancing act. You know, you're you're on a. I think it's actually in his book. It, you're you're on a wire. You know, it's a tightrope walk. And sometimes you lean one way, sometimes mm-hmm. you lean the other, and it's never going to be perfect. You're not going to walk down that rope like it's a sidewalk. Yeah. You know, you're going to waver. But as long as you stay on that rope, you know, and you lean back to the other side when you start to tip off a course, mm-hmm. that's how it goes. But that's how always how it goes. The good thing is that, you know, we're learning together, you know, like this in this like type of setting. That it's a tight rope, and but I'm not, I'm not balanced that rope by myself anymore. Yeah. I got a six-foot lanyard to the rope. So I'm not going to fall completely off of it. I got, uh, you know, um, you got the, a tether, the tether, tether yeah. to somebody else. And and uh, the the co-author of the book, um, Childhood Carry Water, uh, his name leaves me for now, but I'll think of it in a second. But he uh, he gave this. We got to sit down and have like a little session, leader session with him, and he gave this awesome um, uh, little insight, if you will. But he's like. Um, Whoever you pass your lanyard off to, you call it lanyard. Whoever you pass your lanyard off to, like when you need to pass it off, like better be able to hold your weight yeah. in the right direction, um, and be cautious of who you pass that to because that could be the way in whatever direction you're going to be drug. So, lanyard into the right people, mm-hmm. getting the right help, focused on the right outcome, mm-hmm. because. It's too easy to see, you know, the shiny object over here and be like, oh, that I'm going to go this way whenever mm-hmm. the long road to hoe is the best one to take. So when he was like, whoever you pass your lanyard off to better, and that, that guy's passing his off and his off, like con- connecting that circle, um, surrounding yourself with those type of people. Yeah, absolutely. That that matters. And, and this is like, this is where it starts. And this is like your guys' podcast is outstanding. And uh, the community that that building out there because of you guys, uh, Paul and, and Rod, because, you know, having people on to talk about, you know, mental health and it's a huge problem in today's society and, uh, you know, in our world in general. So, um Showing people that focusing on like who you who you tie into your circle matters and yeah. and what others that aren't inside that circle think doesn't matter at all as long as you guys are working together to get strong and better. So I, I appreciate you guys for what you're doing here. It's just super awesome. Oh, thank you, James. It means a lot, man. Yeah, it it gives uh, you know the opportunity to to give people a voice to to have those conversations, to have these conversations about you know having that circle. Because without that, you know, if you're by yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, just like you're saying, you have to have your circle. And I'm slowly building that circle. I kind of, I went, I've gone through many phases of, you know, post-military life. You know, just kind of like really excited, really depressed, really down, really happy. Like just all, you know, it comes in, in waves and whatnot. And just like, you know, like, holy crap, I'm focusing on the wrong thing. So I'm trying to really shift focus and like you're talking about, build that circle and then build that back up because I kind of shut everything off for a while. I didn't get off social media. I just didn't, you know, get on it. Like I just didn't, I didn't care about it. 
didn't really talk to anybody, didn't connect with anybody, you know, even as far as my immediate family, just kind of like, like, what's going on? You know, it's like, stopped using the medications and whatnot and said, like, I need right. to, I need to do something different. Just like, you know, in 2017, when I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I need to make a decision here. I need to get, get some help or something like something's going to happen. Some, I, I had that feeling like something bad's going to happen. And so, you know, kind of, you were, you were out of the military at that point. You were, no, uh, 17. I, I, that was, uh, no, I was still in, at RRC at the time. Okay. And gotcha. then uh, I didn't, I medically retired in October of 2019. Okay. And gotcha. so it just, it, uh, I burned myself out basically is what ended right. up happening. I, uh, I went really hard in the paint because yeah. I'm like, I'm all about the boys. Yep. So that's all I care about. And let me ruin my first marriage real quick. You know, yep. let me get that one knocked out. I got a kid too. <laughs> so let me never be there for my kid for the first four years of her life. So yeah, check that box too. Um, yeah. You know what? Yeah. One thing I think about like, uh, Paul Rod and the listeners, like, Listen to the, and if I listen to more podcasts, more podcasts. Listen to the um, the consistency that you hear, mm-hmm. right in the in the in the organization in the in the uh, the special operations community. Like mm-hmm. his story, my story, the other several that you've oh, heard. Like having the, done this for so the, many years, oh, I can yeah. tell you it's it's repetitive. The, yeah. It's it's no, like yeah. well, that's the same story I just yep. heard today. Just no, you a could different you, name. You could bring a guest in, and I could meet them blind and be like, "When was your first divorce?" And they're yeah. like, "Oh yeah." And it's it doesn't matter really if they were soft or not. I mean, coupled by when like, you know how many DUIs you know, at the same yeah, time, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's yep. it's just that that's just where it goes. Yeah. I mean, because and, and this is you know Jason Belford's opinion, but uh, because there isn't a better outlet um, mm-hmm. than what we are used to having as opposed to, you know, I'm just going to drink it. I'm going to, you know, say, fuck it. And it's mm-hmm. my French. And then I'm going to move yeah. on and do, do whatever I, I have to do to keep getting better and progressing instead yeah. of, well, we don't have a community that says, Hey, you're still going to be able to get promoted in the army. You're still going to be able to be successful as a human being and a father. And guess mm-hmm. what? You can do all these things at one time. Mm-hmm. It, if we can learn and teach you how to focus on yourself absolutely and then and be able to put all those pieces together but instead guys are like well if i man if i go get help i'm probably not going to make staff sergeant i'm not going to make yeah. some first class yeah. they definitely going to give me a platoon they definitely mm-hmm. going to give me all these things that i you know i seek after so well i think we I, haven't built that foundation i yet. think that that's valid 100% valid but i also think we have to recognize who we recruit because if we're if you look mm-hmm. at what segment of the population we recruit for the military most heavily, those are, you know, their parents are the first ones to graduate college or they will be the first ones to graduate college. Mm-hmm. Most of them come from broken homes. Most of them come from, you know, middle, lower, middle, um, or they're the first generation of blue collar families or, you know what I mean? And so the ones that hit rock bottom first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And statistically speaking, those are yeah, the people with true. the least safety. I mean, if you're in the foster care system, and your family is dead or in jail and you don't have any siblings because you got separated so long ago and you've been bouncing around, you have no safety network no, whatsoever. And you have no chance at a future unless you get into the right boys home or girls home mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, you got to be real lucky. So the military, that's how you level up. And it's a fantastic option for somebody that, you know, is looking to level up their, their life for their children going on in the future or just for themselves but I think we need to recognize, like, with, without military service, without the trauma uh, and damage to your psyche from going to war, 
you're already in a higher likelihood to have a suicide, have a divorce, mm -hmm. have a child out of wedlock. Be an alcoholic. Um, be an alcoholic and be, uh, you know, a substance abuser or, you know, whatever it may be. And those are just the numbers. You know, I know I would never indict anybody because of their upbringing. But when you look at, you know, the bigger picture, we have to recognize that that's the start of the military culture. Well, you're the product of your environment. That's right. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, to add, to, uh, I wanted to make sure, I, since you said that, I was like, I've got to bring this up. Um, you're talking about the support group, like, you, you know, uh, home and all that stuff, right? right? Um, well, uh, Captain Mahonan, he, outstanding individual, like, one, like, echelons above the human I am after, you know, getting to know the guy and, and just his humility and, and the kind of guy he is. But uh, he uh, he does a volunteer, like, on, on his own time, goes down volunteers and does, like, the big brother thing. Um, and the kid that he went down and, and volunteered the big brother for uh, made the uh, honor roll. Like, he, like, takes his time off of work, and he works, you know, long hours, too. He, he's the four-shop engineer guy. He, he gets off work, goes down, tutors this kid, takes him out to this, you know, movies, like, all those things, like, these kids like that. And, like, if we had more of that going on, yeah, like, mm -hmm. that that problem with yeah, mentor and whatever home you grew up in, yeah. uh, like, public home would be... Definitely a fallback. Think, think the, those kids that that uh, Cat Mahone is uh, mentored. Mm -hmm. When they get older, like he's, they got his number. Like he's always yeah. going to be able to be that that beacon of light for those kids. And but think about it. That's awesome. a healing moment for guys in your situation too. Because you were talking. I think about what you guys were talking about earlier with you know, you're the uncle. The mm -hmm. you know that some kids looking up to. It doesn't have to be blood. It could be some kid that you're yeah. actually helping, you know, and you're, it's healing you by you helping them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it, your check too. Because yeah. you got, you have somebody that you need to live up to their expectation, like your nephew. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, Absolutely. okay, I've got a mission just like, you know, I got to represent this uniform well while I'm in service. I've yeah. got a mission to do that. So, you know, no limping. <laughs> that's and right. No limping, no, no limping. crying, chin up, chest out. Yeah. So and it's then, the same thing. And yeah. then when you screw up, it's like, Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm so hard on myself when I when I think about stuff like that. You the know. thing about those kids, they don't care about all the stuff exactly. you wear on your chest. Yeah, exactly. None yeah. of that matters. Not exactly. All the stuff that you did in combat or war or all the bad, all that they don't care about any of that. Exactly. You know? The fact that you're there with your time and that's all that matters to them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's important to you know remember too. I think people see you know like they see your resume or they see the flair you have from all the schools mm -hmm. you went to and they think, oh, this guy's a badass and he might be cooler than, you know, a guy in 82nd or, you know, the 82nd guy might be cooler than a guy down in Fort Polk or, but if you remember back to before you joined the service, like they were all cool, man. You watch yeah. the black and white movies, they had a movie about CBs and the movie about, oh, yeah. you know, whomever. And I, I thought they were all cool because I was just some scrub from Colorado who, Spent too much time snowboarding and not enough time mm -hmm. doing anything else. And Be productive. You know? <laughs> so, like, the kids don't care, you know? Like, it doesn't matter what your service was. You served. Right. You don't care if you're an RTO or you're a dental hygienist or whatever. You, you signed up and you gave back. That's right. And you're continuing to give back to yeah. those kids. Like, that, your time, that's super cool. Yeah, they're one, uh, I'm part of a fly fishing group here, a local one. Uh, they have programs all over the U.S. Uh, one of the guys that's in the program, he 
worked at Fourth uh, RTB, uh, infantry guy, Ranger qualified, like you know, super stud, amazing dude. Never yeah. never made it to regiment, whatever, blah blah blah. Sure. Just amazing guy, like amazing individual, just selfless individual, and he, you know, volunteered to be the the head of a program, another program, because that's what they're called. They're not chapters, whatever wording, but it's it's to for foster kids. And so what we're cool. going to do is we're going to teach these kids from flash to bang how to fly fish. That's cool. And so and then here's the best part, is that these kids get to keep everything that we give them. Like awesome. all, so all the money that's raised, awesome. so they get reels, rods, flies, lines, yeah. the, the waders, the, the whole nine yards. And that's just to be awesome. able to do that, because I know what's, what it's done for me. And so fly fishing is crazy because one minute you're on top of the world, the next, next minute you're cursing yourself because yeah. you got 17 feet of line wrapped around you. Yep. And there's like a, a fly in the side <laughs> of your face or something like that. And then, you, <laughs> then afterwards you laugh yeah. about it, of course, but yeah. I'm like, you know, there's something here. And so... The opportunity to be able to do that, I, you yeah. know, I said, I, in a way, this is a selfish thing for me as far as, like you said, Robert, the healing part of it. Like, I want to kind of heal from this as well, but I also want, I just want that kid to, to feel safe and have a good time for just a little bit of, for yeah. that small moment in time and not have to worry about somebody yelling at him or beating him up or being negative towards him and, you know, or anything like that. I just want to give that child that opportunity and, and yeah. you know, to be able to do that and them really can't they can't pay you back that to me is the best part like that mindfulness yeah. you have to do the preparation that you put in the, the constant thinking about the focus of how he's or she's reacting to the situation mm -hmm. and what are we going to do next and keeps you in the moment and takes you away from all the other part too oh yeah 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 it's a it's a healing cathartic part um it is yeah it is you know it's it's awesome because you don't need drugs or alcohol in those situations yeah. to to find any comfort or, or joy or healing or you know it's powerful for both parties though it is know? and that's that's what's funny it's like i always thought that i would find feeling in in substances and whatnot and yeah. you know the the black and white in me i'm very hard-nosed you know it's a black or white thing for me and it was like well i got my dui and then since you know i got the day i got my dui was the last day that i drank and it's been four years and so it's like congratulations, congratulations. Work, man. thank you and i mean you know i don't say that for any accolades or i just yeah, say that just because i want other no, people it's an to accomplishment yeah absolutely accomplishment because uh, let me tell you before that i was a functioning i was a very high functioning alcoholic to be a, a functioning alcoholic yeah. in ranger regiment is a very difficult thing to do i promise you but you yeah. can only do it for uh, so long amen. Yeah. you know like yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> be, relate to that man yeah, amen yeah i uh i in in the only like i said the only reason i say that is so that people can can relate you know that guy right. that's sitting at home or maybe that one guy hears it he'll never tell anybody but at least he'll hear it from me you know i was yeah. in regiment for 14 years or whatever and i you know hi my name is pete and i'm an alcoholic yeah. yeah you know that's just the way it was and it was like i knew i needed to get help so when i went to go initially to get help for to ebh uh, behavioral health you know we talked about alcohol and i'm like i don't have a problem i'm good i'm good yeah yeah. You know, of course they asked how much you drink and I lied through my teeth like, yeah. you know, like any other person would. And then, but I did, I will say, uh, and this was actually at regiment, the, the guy that I talked to there, I felt so bad for lying to this dude. I'm like, yeah. Hey man, uh, I just gotta be honest with you, dude. I've been completely lying to you and I'm a piece of crap and I'm an alcoholic, man. I drink a lot. Like I yeah. got problems and he's, he, Dude didn't break, like, did not break character, nothing. He's like, I'm really glad to hear that. I'm really glad that you, you know, that you felt comfortable to say that. And it was like, it was a big, it was a big thing, you know, at mm -hmm. the time. And it was like kind of the start. 
Yeah. And then several months later, it was like blues and reds. And then it was like, yeah. shit, I'm done. Yeah. As soon as that happened, I was like, man, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm such an idiot. But yeah, it was, it was I did a very mine, I did mine in the opposite order. I got oh. the DUI first. Then I was like, I'm not the kind of person that yeah. would do this. I'm not the kind of person yeah. that would, like, I'm making bad choices. Mm-hmm. And That's exactly what I said. Despite the trajectory of my career being good. Yeah. Like everything else is falling apart. Mm-hmm. So like the metrics I'm using to gauge my decision-making process and the metrics I'm using to gauge my success and my well-being are wrong mm-hmm. because if they, if they were right, this would not have happened. I oh, wouldn't exactly. have made the choice that I made. Your circle. Yeah. I didn't have one. I, was, I pushed everybody out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I had some drinking buddies. Exactly. That's what I had. I had drinking buddies. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like who you had in your circle, yeah, like right, yeah, who you yeah. gave your tether to is exactly yeah. what you're doing every day and drinking and yeah. being like, yeah, this is the way it's going to be. It's the way it's always been yeah. instead of laying into, you know. Well, and I didn't notice that like. But we didn't have another way though. I we mean, didn't. Yeah. But, you know, that aside, I didn't notice that like my drinking buddies, there were fewer and fewer. <laughs> and I was still going out and I'd see the guys at the bar, but like they'd leave and I'd be like. All right, well, I'm going to the next one. I guess these pussies don't want to keep on exactly, drinking. Right? You know what I mean? And then, like, I didn't realize that it wasn't, it was me. I was the asshole. I was the drama. And people were like, this, they were getting out of the blast radius because mm-hmm. I was I was out of control when it came yep. to, yeah, to drinking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah, it was the same. And I, I drove a lot of people away, you know, got, you know, sealed the deal on the first divorce and everything. Yeah. And it just, it, it, I didn't say, I want to say it ruined me. It actually, helped me in a way as, ba- as as weird as that sounds it was it's that moment that you're like hey listen asshole you know i i my thought on it is it's divine intervention from god saying hey look dumbass check it out i've, I've been trying to get your attention for a while so how about you now can yeah. can do you read me loud and clear mm-hmm. over yeah. i said oh, 10 4 i got you <laughs> yeah. i got you i read you loud and clear over i got this so and that was just that one of those things it's it's and it's not easy it's difficult you know just like you see guys trying to quit dipping and whatnot and like, I would almost rather just take a nut, kick to the nuts every day. Like, it sucks not not drinking. It really does. Like, but there's a lot of times where it's not. It doesn't bother me. I don't think about it or anything yeah. like that. But there's times where it's like it's really difficult because there's turmoil. There's problems. Somebody's pissing you off or whatever, and you're like, man, it should be nice to get a drink right now. <laughs> but yeah. man, this water tastes good. So, yeah. and it's just I've for whatever reason I just been, I stuck to it. You know, I, I remember my daughter, and I mean I'm verbally made a promise to her. I said, I won't, I will not drink again. I will not do it. And, uh, you know, a couple other things I promised to her in, in my own way, it's like, you know, the yelling and things like that. So I have to do a lot of breathing, a lot of woosa, you know, a lot of, I get you, you know, just because I'm you more so I guarantee you, you got seven of them. I've got one. And so I <laughs> still not know, an God, excuse. Son. God bless you. But you know, for me, it was, I was letting all my problems, you know, be the excuse for me to yell at my daughter. And it's like, what did she do wrong? Nothing really. You know, I'm the asshole here, like you said, Paul. Like, and so it's it's difficult. It, affect, it affected me. And, and you know, uh, we actually went to counseling together. So she went to counseling and then we counseled together separately. That's awesome. And so that was, that was tough, my friend. That was one of the toughest things I've ever had to do is sit next to my daughter and then, you know, apologize to her for being the father that I was and like, yeah, um, my, uh, my, well, he's 18 now. Mm-hmm. My 18-year-old Austin, he he started going to some counseling and stuff uh, yeah. a couple months ago. And he, he just, he you know, he's unfortunately seen, he's been there since day one with me. And he's 
you know, he's been through divorce with his mom. He's seen me go through uh, hard times with my wife. Like he's seen, you know, he's seen it all. And he's, he chose to live with me when he was 14. And that says something about, yeah. you know, my dad's skills. I guess, I don't know if they, you know, my kids love me. That really means a lot, obviously. And, uh, well, I think that's a, important, it, but it, well, it, yeah. And the thing is, though, really what I was getting to is that for him to be like, Hey dad, I, I'd like to go see a counselor. Right. I was super, it was after actually is after their podcast. And, uh, um, wow. it really meant a lot to me that he said that, but it also hurt me really bad. Yeah. 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 I did. I can imagine because, yeah. um, I thought for a second, like, what did I do wrong? You know, like yeah, dude. how hard yeah. I had to be on my kid to, for him to be like, I need counseling or whatever, where did yeah. I go south at? And, uh, yeah. that was, that was rough for me. And, and, uh, He's like, it's not you, Dad. You've never done anything. He's like, you've always been, you know, a, a great dad. But that still didn't but make you feel like you no, you were guilt free. Yeah. Like you absolutely still not. Like, and I was like, holy cow, how did I get it wrong? Yeah. You know. And uh, he sees my counselor actually. You know, there's wow. Uh, and um, yeah, it was rough. But uh, he he's super great, and, and Austin's an amazing kid. He's going to do great things in life, and. He, he went, you know, he's had some ebb and flows and, and uh, getting a little bit of trouble here and there, being a, you know, solid teenager, if you will. But yeah. um, he, uh, just having him come to me and be like, I, I need to go to counseling yeah. uh, after our podcast was. That's crazy. That's wild. wild. You know, but that's like, what a gift too, you know? Yeah. Like what Same. a gift. Cause he's starting so much younger than we did. And, you know, you, you got to pay for what you do. And we've all, we're all sinners, but I think what I, what I'm trying to learn to internalize is, is forgiveness of myself and the hardest person to forgive what I think about a lot. And what I think kind of the top, what we've been talking about for Mm -hmm. the last little bit, it's really, it's about redemption, man. Like it's out there. Like it doesn't matter if you, maybe you screwed up your military service in some way, or maybe you, you weren't the soldier you wanted to be. Yeah, oh yeah, I screwed that one all the father you wanted to Real be. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you're able to go and, you know, help people with fly fishing and give, a, you know, a child that's in this space where life is traumatic and it's mm-hmm. stressful, and you give them a chance to go out and work through a problem that's solve, solvable by themselves and find that place in their mind where they're like, okay, I have some hardship and my God, my line's all balled up and I got a fish hook in my ear mm-hmm. or I just lost the trout of my life because I was, you know, wasn't prepared or whatever. And they process that, but they do it in a safe way. And, yeah. you know, I do, I get to do that with horses and we get to do the podcast and, you know, and you get to come on and, and, you know, bring the mentorship that you have been doing for your soldiers to a larger audience, you know, and, and in those ways, I think you find that, you still can be a good man. You still can be a, a contributing member of society, you know, but if you only, if you seek to find a way to continue that mission and to yeah. give back to those, those lessons. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think our shortcomings or our mistakes or the things that we've said or done in, in anger or ignorance. I don't think that defines you. I just think that means that, 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 you know, you can find redemption for those things and Believe- move on from them. 
Felipe, uh, we could probably talk for like another hour or so. Um, would you be open to coming back? Because I think there's still so much that we have not. I feel like I we just I apologize started. if I've, I've no. sprung this along. No, 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 no. not at all. And I know it, we haven't really even talked about. Uh, we've talked more about mental health and, yeah. and all of our feelings. Like that's what I was saying. There's still so yeah. much that we could yeah. probably go another hour or so. Of but course. Would you be welcome to or be open to coming back and? Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm not too far down the road. So. Let's definitely do awesome. this again and yeah, it was a great um, conversation. Plan it like yeah. really soon um, yeah. to get back in here. Yeah, um, yeah. Just let me know. Well, yeah. appreciate you coming on and no, I, joining I can't, us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. Uh, the guys at work were t- like uh, Richard Rambush. I don't know if that name rings a bell or not, but uh, he remembers you as Cadre. So. Uh, <laughs> But we were talking about uh, about you and just about podcasts and people like Angel Cortez and mm-hmm. Vincent Vargas and whatnot and just uh, and the fact that you guys even responded because look I, I'm a little guy that's the way I look at myself I'm I'm nobody and when somebody like actually responds or somebody that I hold to a higher standard I guess or I hold higher in my pecking order of people I guess if you will not you know movie stars whatever my military people are up here everybody else is down here and so just to have that I'm like holy shit this is crazy just for somebody to even comment you know we were jabbing a little bit back and forth about the MFF wings and whatnot and because that's every, it's a very sensitive subject to some people I love talking about it because <laughs> I think it's hilarious and so that's kind of where it spurred off of and, and just to have you here is amazing I'm glad that you're here I'm so thankful thank you. you're here and thank you thank you it's and, great to uh, meet you no, it's great to meet you as well, and I, I feel like we've had some really amazing conversation today. I had yeah. no idea what, what to expect, and I, I just can't thank you guys enough. And just what an honor it is to be here and you know to represent myself, I guess, and and you know what I've done. So, thank you. Pleasure's ours. Yeah, oh my, I definitely want to come yeah, back. Yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah, awesome. Love it.